0: they do incite hatred get them out let me be clear about that however i do think that what we need to do is let people voice their opinions and then as barack obama said you're not going to agree with everybody however you need to debate the points and not simply shun them it's your podcast it's your day and it's your chance Podium.me. my name is jack elson i'm 18 years old so probably about last year end of lower sick form going into upper sick is when i really decided um yeah politics really interested me and I wanted to taken a more active role in the sort of political dynamics at university and in sort of the latter stages of school. I, I basically listened to the debates uh, in 2015. But even before that, I was sort of looking at conservative manifestos. I was looking at their past policies, I was looking at their current policies. And it was what they offered for students. It was what they offered for me going through the future and finding the job and their economic credibility, which is the main thing for me. And also, I'm, I'm, you may have seen my Twitter, I'm quite a Eurosceptic.
1: You you're studying
0: at King's, am I right? Yep, studying at KCR, politics. How's it going? Going really good, really enjoying the course. It allows me to engage in the whole other aspects of university life, so society, sport, uh, politics, obviously I'm very passionate about. So I'm part of the uh, King's College London Conservative Society, get a lot of good speakers in, have a lot of good policy forums to go with, really good bunch of guys down there. Uh, I'm currently involved with the Back Act campaign, the CCHQ, so I go there quite a lot to do some telephone canvassing. Um, and also at the moment, just trying to write to MPs to get a, uh, a job in the second semester working in the Commons. So if you just explain what the, the, the campaign. So it's Back Zach 2016. Zach Goldsmith running for London Mayor, the Conservative candidate. Excellent candidate. Um, i would fully endorse him to be Boris's successor. I wasn't even that engaged in politics until I was probably about 17 years old. So how did you feel on the morning of the 8th of May? Hey, I mean, I, was actually, I actually pulled an all-nighter so, in, in, in the political sense. I was pleased. I was really pleased. I mean, we'd all had a great campaign. I'd been out there canvassing, going around marginal seats, um, road trip, lots of sense of reward. Um, I contacted a couple of MPs who I'd worked with to congratulate them, and they are all really chuffed.
1: Maybe you can give us a sense of um, what environment you grew up in, whether people held the same views uh, as you do or
0: as you do now. A lot of the people at my school held the same views as I did, but without realising it. There was a group of us who were quite politically engaged, but then there some who were some who were less so. However, when you ask them questions like what do you think of this policy, what do you think of the environment, what do you think of the European Union, they sort of actually sway towards your ideas and, and they sort of actually give an opinion. And that's what it is. It's sort of teasing out the politics in young people. And so at school, um, I was probably um, among the few who... Engaged with political dynamics of the country. Uh, at university, it is completely different. From day one, I was with a group of people. Well, I'm studying politics, so, you know. You'd hope that they'd be politically aware. We were chatting about policies. And we weren't from all the same um, political ideologies. But that's the great thing: you, mean you can cause debate, um, you can change your own ideologies, and you can challenge others.
1: And do you think there's a lack of that openness to uh, exchange of ideas and people who hold? ideas different to your own at
0: university campuses now? Um, well, I'm, I'm actually currently writing an article about the whole sort of safe space thing at universities and how it's sort of a bit infringing on our free speech. So, I mean, obviously, if someone's coming into a university and inciting hatred towards a person or an ideology or a religion, they should be completely ostracised from the university and should not be allowed to sort of, you know, cite their sort of hateful views. However, that is not the same as somebody coming in and criticizing uh, an ideology or criticizing a religion. Those two are completely different things. And I think that we do have to accept and be tolerant of people that don't match the preconceived wisdom of what we judge to be you know, normal and mainstream. And I think that there is a bit of an issue coming in, actually, with these people being rejected from universities uh, for speaking out um, with views which aren't seen as being traditional. They're not uh, inciting any sort of hatred. What they are doing is just offering a different viewpoint from ones which we have um traditionally traditionally seen as being right and if somebody just come in and starts promoting some sort of hatred then you have to get rid of them and you would never let them back into the university because that is not being tolerant of um of minorities tolerance works both ways the speaker has to be tolerant however at the same time the audience have to be tolerant of the speaker who is asserting these views it's all very well listening to these people's views but you can't what you can't do is you can't suddenly just chuck someone out because you disagree with them i mean you have a fundamental disagreement but you know rebut the narrative which they're putting forward and debate out the points you won't ever you're not going to agree with people let alone at university and so i believe this is a time where we should learn to accept people's views challenge them but don't ostracize them because you disagree with them
1: and so when you are shut out of someone's uh, porch they slam the door in your face when you're canvassing for uh, your pick for mayor, or when you're going around on road trip.
0: Kind of, what what goes through your mind then? <laughs> rejection, a good plain rejection. No, um, I mean some people are interested. Some people actually, you know, some a lot of people, most people, give legitimate reasons or what we what we deem to be legitimate reasons. Uh, so they've got to they've got something running. They've got a nice you know pie in the oven which they need to go and see to, or something like that. And, you know, we're going around there, we're promoting a political party. We can't expect them to want to talk to us all the time. However, a lot of people, I would say the majority of people, are actually really, really friendly um, on the doorstep. They give us a lot of helpful information, even if they don't endorse our candidate, who we're putting forward and who we're representing. They might be, I might be going around promoting Zach Goldsmith, and they might be a a staunch Labourite who's definitely going to vote Sadiq Khan, no matter what I say. However, they're still really, really friendly, because that's what politics should be about. It should be about engaging in debate, challenging other people's views. But you know, it shouldn't be the sort of the attitude of hatred, which it's is it, unfortunately sometimes been seen to become.
1: Well, talking of that kind of nasty, nasty side to things, did you see any of that uh, in the conservative
0: future um, circles that you've moved in? I, ha- I haven't seen any of that. No. I mean, I'm fully I'm fully aware after listening to all the reports on it that it has happened. However, in my experience, it was never the case. I mean, however, saying that, a lot of the things which I've heard about happen in the evenings with sort of the party side of things. I didn't go to any of those. I was campaigning in Brighton uh, in the morning where we went around the marginal seat of Brighton Kemptown, knocking on doors, doing the whole canvassing stuff. That was fine. We were all getting on with our own stuff. We were having a bit of a chit-chat on the coach about policies and stuff. I didn't see any of the hatred, which has been, you know, Shown in the press,
1: and have you met Mark Clark?
0: Have I met Mark Clark? I met Mark Clark on the road trip. Uh, it was it was briefly for a couple of seconds. Uh, I met um, Grant Shapps there and Alexandra Patterson in in, in, the, in the sort of the road trip canvassing side of things. She's now been suspended. Um, I didn't particularly warm to her. I have to say, um, she wasn't terribly chatty. But you know, there was nothing then which signaled to me. Uh, that she might have been sort of corrupt in any way. And Mark Clark, I mean, I, I, obviously I, I spoke to him very briefly. It was just, you know, saying, you know, well done with the road trip. Um, well, done, thanks for coming along. But there was nothing there to sort of point out that he'd sort of be labeled as the bully, which which it seemed to become. I think that at the moment, the Conservatives are obviously the governing party. And you're never going to come out and campaign for a policy which someone is doing I mean you didn't see people you know marching down Whitehall when uh, the poll tax um, the, the poll tax by Margaret Thatcher was implemented if they supported it you don't see people um, outside parliament campaigning for the bombing of Syria you never see people campaigning for a motion. however you always see lots of people voicing uh, their opinions against a motion. that is the whole point you know, of protest you're protesting against something you're never coming out to support for it and when lots of students come out on Parliament Square and do that traditional walk from Trafalgar Square to the House of Commons, there's always going to be a lot of media coverage on it. It's going to be hyped up in the press and they're going to get a lot of attention for it. And because of that, the students have sort of, you know, accumulated a stereotype for themselves of being very left-wing because they're always coming out and doing things. Now, if there's a Labour government, on the other hand, we might see a lot of right-wing people come out, lots of student-conservatives. The media has an incredibly, incredibly influential role in sort of creating this opinion and this stereotype about how all students are very left-wing, because it's simply not true. I mean, come to a Conservative rally, you're going to see people from all different backgrounds, all different classes, who are represented in the Conservative Party. And what we're seeing at universities is a lot of people coming in and thinking it's all very left-wing. That's what I thought when I'd come in. And to an extent, I first came in and I was handed Marxist flyers, I was left forum uh, leaflets, Uh, left, right and centre, but then you do go in and you find out there's lots of people who share your ideologies, lots of people who, you know, support your views, uh, and lots of people who are willing to come out campaigning with you within the Conservative Party. And I think that it's a shame that, you know, we've gained this whole stereotype of being left-wing, and I do think a lot of it is media, yeah. Surely people who
1: are going to, can afford to go to universities these days are, uh, you know they've got nine grand a year tucked away somewhere. Normally, their parents.
0: I, I mean, I I actually disagree. First of all, because you get given a loan by the government, which you pay off. You start paying off after you start earning above a certain threshold. And so, the nine grand is sort of ineffectively um, placed elsewhere, sort of parked until you sort of start earning money. So that doesn't have much to do with it. There are lots of bursaries available. However, I don't think we should sort of get into this whole thing and where we box people in parties. Due to their, you know, financial circumstances, I think the times have changed. Where we have sort of class divisions and party divisions align with them, the Conservatives are doing a lot to help out people from the lower end of the financial and sort of class spectrum. I don't think that we should be isolating these people so that they, you know, they won't be voting Conservatives or that you can't vote Labour because you come from a certain background. I think that the times have changed, and I mean, gladly so. I'd say. How do you think that the the next
1: Parliament will uh, pan out? How, do you see a A windfall for um, the Chancellor, as he is now.
0: I think it completely depends on whether Jeremy Corbyn stays or not. It's traditionally a lot harder to get rid of a Labour leader. However, at the moment, we're starting to see a push toward the exit by his parliamentary party. But remember, he had a huge mandate. I think it was about 59% of the vote from his supporters. And that's where he's going to draw his sort of uh, legitimacy from. Now, if he stays in government... it's looking very likely it will be a two-horse race between Boris Johnson and George Osborne, in which I would say that George Osborne would probably win because he seems to have more of an awareness of good policy. I mean, Boris has the sort of the the persona and the gravitas, and George Osborne seems to have um, a sort of very very robotic feel, polished. but He needs to be a bit more polished with a sort of a human face and a sort of human engagement, which I don't feel he has at the moment. If Jeremy Corbyn stays, then those two will be fine because Jeremy Corbyn, as we sort of, well, quite unelectable in his persona,
1: why do you think Jeremy Corbyn's
0: unelectable? Well, I mean, I think that his policies aren't very credible. I don't think he's very engaging. He's not very energetic. And that's what I like to see in a leader. They're probably going to run a campaign on his lack of credibility when it comes to national security. At a time, in such a tortuous climate, political climate, in which we're seeing lots of wars in the Middle East, we're seeing the, sort of the growing security dilemmas with Russia, Simply neglecting Trident and all sort of you know military policy and spending is going to worry a lot of people. And I really, really would urge people to think again about Jeremy Corbyn's credibility. He might have good domestic policies, but he might not. I don't think he does, but you know, we're not getting into that at the moment. What we're talking about is his credibility with Trident and the armed forces. And when it comes to that, I think that we cannot give him a look in Gentiling Street.
1: You've got your sights set on the referendum when it comes around, possibly in, in a year or two. Why do you think this is an important kind of um, watershed
0: moment for, for UK politics? Um, because, I mean, the last time we really had a say on this was when we first came in, in the 1970s. And since then, the whole thing has, tr- has changed. I mean, I was obviously around, um, and neither of near the students of the day around that decision was made. And it's time we had our say because the truth is that when we sign up to it and all our parents sign up to it, it was all about trade. That is fundamentally a good idea and a good thing. However, it's all changed now and we're seeing vast amounts of money given over to Brussels. I think it's 20 million pounds a day, a ridiculous amount. And all legislative and executive power is in the hands of uh, 27 unelected bureaucrats who sit on the European Commission. And I don't think it's benefiting us whatsoever in the common agricultural policy, in the common fisheries policy, all of the detriment to our economy. And I think that it's time that we get a say on this great constitutional crisis, which has, I would say, infected our country for the past 40 or so years.
1: So why then wouldn't you vote for UKIP if they're offering a similar thing and, and
0: towing a similar line? Well, first of all, because Europe isn't everything. I won't make out that it is, but it's not and UKIP don't have, you know, fiscal responsibility, they don't have a credible plan for the NHS, they don't have, you know, a, a real sort of economic plan which the Conservatives have. However, the Conservatives and UKIP are both in uh, favour of a referendum, because at the end of the day, you know, it shouldn't be me that decides, it shouldn't be you that decides, it shouldn't be David Cameron or UKIP or Nigel Farage that decides, it should be the British people, and we should listen to them and give them the referendum. If they say that they want to stay... I'm going to be completely fine with that and respect that decision. I'd probably still be a euro and maybe try and, you know, campaign to reforming Europe more, to give them more power back to Westminster. However, if the people make up their minds, they want to stay, I would completely respect that. At least then we would have had our say. Yes. So do you support the petition to ban Donald Trump from the UK? It's a really tough one. What he said was absolutely ridiculous comment. I mean... I mean, of course you can be a Muslim and an American you can be a Muslim and someone living in the West that is a completely false dichotomy to say either one or the other, I mean that's what's great about the world at the moment, there's so much globalisation going on, there's so much interlinking, we are independent on each other and I mean, I wouldn't ban him coming from the UK, but I would I mean, you can listen to his views, but I would reject them completely, I would urge anyone at the end of the earth to completely challenge them and rebut the points, however I probably wouldn't ban him